Really glad that you guys are here with us today. Open up, if you would, please, to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. We're talking about unity in the body of Christ. Uh, our jumping off place last week was in Galatians 3.28 that says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free, but all are one in Christ. And uh, one of the things that I kind of mentioned, well, in fact, the last couple of weeks, is that our unity as believers is not tied to our political affiliation. Our unity as believers is not tied to our jobs, not tied to our geography, not tied to our gender, not tied to uh, what kind of church we go to, whether or not it's uh, of a Baptist background or kind of like us, a non-denominational background, or whatever. Like those are not the deciding factors. The, the deciding factor for who we are as one is who Christ is. And as we have put faith in Christ, as we have come to put faith in Christ, that in itself, by itself, joins us together as one. So here we are. We are one body. I, I promise you that you and I um, are very different people from one another, right? Like all of us have very different kind of backgrounds. All of us have very different kind of histories and personalities, and we have different uh, interests. There are some of us in here who are, uh, you know, like very athletic. There are some in here who are very mechanical. I, I tried to join the Army in 1995. I was, uh, I was at a gas station, and there was a recruiter getting gas at the pump next to me. I was a few months older than 20, and he said, hey, do you want to join the Army? And I was very depressed, hated everything about my life at that point, so I said, sure, why not? You know, I thought this way somebody else can tell me what to do, and I don't have to think about it. And, uh, and so I did the physical and took the ASVAB and, like, completely bombed everything to do with the mechanical side of it. Like, I don't know that I got a single question right on the mechanical side of things. Like, it was just, they were definitely like, yeah, we're not putting you in anything to do with mechanics. Like, if any of you know how to fix lawnmowers, like, see me after class, right? Because, like, uh, ours hasn't been working since we moved here. And so, not that I can do much about it right now. Anyway, but, uh, like, you know, like, I, I just... What I do is I make sure that I have friends who know how to do those kinds of things because that's, that's just never going to be me. I'm just not mechanical. Uh, and so we all have different interests, different hobbies. And there's no question, please understand this, there's no question that uh, like-minded uh, like people bond together. Um, and it's, there's no question that people of certain interests kind of come together and enjoy things together. So if you love to fish, you're hanging out with other people who like to fish. If you like to hunt, you're hanging out with other people who like to hunt. Uh, you know, that, that makes sense. Like, that's just kind of some natural, there's some natural gravity that kind of pulls us together. But what should trump all of that for us as believers is Christ. And so we can be different people all week long, but even as different people, we know that we are bound together in Jesus Christ by his blood, by his power, by who he is. And so that's really what we want to understand. Here's what we have on tap this week. Here's our theology, application, and prayer. Our theology is this. The universal church, or the church universal, is under the authority of Jesus. The entire church is under the authority of Jesus. The application this week is we are part of one body with all people of faith in Christ. And then our prayer today is, God, may we seek unity with all who call upon the name of Jesus for salvation. Uh, there's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't know, and it might be interesting to you, it might not. It might be old hat to you, and that's okay too. But 
the, the church, the church used to be called the Catholic Church, not the Roman Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church. The word Catholic simply means universal. So like when you look at some of those old creeds uh, of the saints and they say, we believe in one holy Catholic Church, they are not talking about Roman Catholic Church. In our culture, we think Roman Catholic when we read that. When they wrote that, when they said we are one holy Catholic church, the word Catholic meant, literally meant, still means universal. So they were saying we are one universal church, meaning that all who have put their faith in Jesus are one church. And while we meet here at this time uh, in this little spot of land, which I am still blown away that like, and just incredibly blessed that God gave us, like uh, Mike and I had a friend, pastor friend in town. Uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, and he wanted to see the building, so we were walking him through, and he was like, okay, okay, you know, and he was like, uh, you could see his wheels cranking. He has a much bigger church, and so you could see his wheels kind of cranking. He was like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, this this will work for you guys for a little bit, and he was like, how much did you pay for all this? And we are like, nothing, and he was like, wow, this is great. Like, his his attitude shifted really quickly, you know, and he was like, man, wait, what? Y'all didn't, and then we're like, no, it was given to us, you know, and, and so we put like $60,000 in, what, 11 months of work into it, but, uh, but, and was given to us. And so what a blessing that is. But this, this right here, and I've said it and I'm going to continue to say it, we are not better than the people worshiping down the road from us. We're not because we are part of one universal church. The church universal, all of us, all of us who have put faith in Jesus are under the authority of Christ. He is our head. He is our leadership. He is who we belong to. And that is where our faith rests. And so uh, in Ephesians 4, 4, 5, and 6, we're going to Romans 12, I promise, but in Ephesians 4, 4, 5, and 6, again, where our name comes from, the 456, those three verses, people say, well, why don't you call it the 456? I don't know. We just didn't. Uh, and there, have, there were some people early on who were like, we're going to call it the 456, and they still do. And I always give them a hard time about that. I'm like, we went with the 456 people, you know, and they're like, yeah, but it's really the 456. And so anyway, I, I won't be mad at you, whatever you call it. But it comes from, or some people were like, well, it's Ephesians 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. It should have been the 44, 56. Yes, but then we'd have to print way too many new things. Just leave it. Don't pick on us too much, okay? Uh, but it comes from these three verses in Ephesians where it's reminding this very splintered church that you guys have one, one God. You've been called to one hope. What he means there is the hope of eternal life, the hope of resurrection in Jesus Christ. By one spirit, the Holy Spirit, you have one Lord, one Lord, that's Jesus, one faith, one baptism, right? We have this, we are bound together around these singular truths of who Jesus is. We are connected together by who Christ is. And so one of the things that I, I would really encourage you to do, um, okay, I'm just going to throw this out there as a, as a disclaimer, I have not been stalking your Facebook page. So if any of this hits too close to home, this is not personal, all right? But if you are, if you are out there as a believer taking shots on social media at other believers because their view doesn't line up with yours, what, what we have done, what, we, what we've got to do is remember that if Christ comes back right now, which That'd be a really great way for 2020 to go out, right? That would be, oh, man, that would be nice, right? But if Jesus comes back right now, then those people that we are fighting with, and if it's not we, then let's keep it that way, okay? But you, let me say it differently. All of us who have any kind of social media presence have seen Christians yelling at other Christians on social media. Is that fair? Is that reasonable to say that that happens? Let's not let it be us, 
Because we here at the 4456 or the 456 or the 456 know and are convinced that we who name the name of Jesus and they who name the name of Jesus will all equally stand before the Lord of God, righteous and redeemed and holy, that our faith in Jesus isn't different than their faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit that sealed us is not different than the Holy Spirit that sealed them. The hope of eternal life for us is the same as it is for them, right? And so we will be people who are, who are purposefully pursuing unity with those who profess Jesus. We can disagree with them about the 100 other things that fall below that, but we stand with them on Christ, okay? So in Romans 12, uh, there's been some division. This is, this is, Romans 12 is like a bigger version of Ephesians. It's kind of unpacking some of that more. There's still some division in the church, and he is talking to them about uh, uh, their spiritual gifts. Sorry, I said Romans 12. Romans 12 does talk about spiritual gifts. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 12. Um, sorry, flip over a few pages. So Romans 12 is talking about division in the church. 1 Corinthians deals with some division in the church. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 in a little bit grander detail. Listen to this. I'm going to actually pick up. He's talked about spiritual gifts in 1 through 11, that the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he sees fit. And then, and then I'm going to talk about um, here. So we are all under... We are all under the authority of Jesus. We are all under the head of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you will flip over just a page to chapter 11, okay? Look at what he says here. So we're going to chapter 12, promise this time. But in chapter 11, beginning in verse 2, he says, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. The head of every man is Christ. Uh, the Bible also talks about Christ being the head of the church in Colossians chapter 1, that Christ is the head or the authority. So here, don't worry. If you keep reading, it's going to talk about the man needs to have his head uncovered. The woman needs to have her head covered. Uh, this is not a discussion about head coverings. We can talk about that later if you want to, okay? Let's focus on the fact that what it says here is that the head of every man is Christ. Let's focus on the fact that in Colossians it says that Christ is the head over the church. So when, when the Bible talks about someone being the head, when it says that Christ is the head, it's saying that Christ is our authority. Christ is the one we submit to. Christ is the one who's exalted to the highest place, and we're the body. We're below the head. So here in just a second, when it talks about uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, and it says we are the body, it has already established who the head is. Christ is the head, we're the body. Okay, And so now here in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jew, Greek, slave, or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Okay, I want to cover a couple of things here. This is probably more detail than you want. I will try to, I will try to skate the surface of it, and if you want more detail, we can talk on Wednesday night. Uh, but when it says in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And then we could extrapolate there, male or female. We were all made to drink of one spirit. The, the Greek word baptizo means immersed. But before you jump and think, oh, it's talking about water here. Sometimes the word baptize is talking about water. Sometimes it's talking about being immersed in suffering. So uh, Jesus says, I have a baptism of suffering to undergo. How distressed I am until I've undergone it. In other words, I'm going to be immersed in suffering. And then 
Jesus says to James and John, he goes, are you able to undergo the baptism that I'm about to undergo, speaking of his death? And they say, yes, and he goes, you will undergo the baptism. So sometimes baptism is suffering, sometimes baptism is persecution, because the word baptize doesn't mean, like, listen, in our culture, how many of you, if you just had to say, hey, that's, how many of you, if you heard the word baptize, you're thinking of water somewhere, right? Like, that's what we tend to think of. Think of it about being immersed, okay? Immersed in suffering, immersed in heartache, immersed in joy, immersed in persecution, sometimes immersed in water. So what he's saying here, what he's saying here literally is, by one spirit, we, will, we were all immersed into the body of Christ. We were all, we were all like, this is who we are. It's like, like it we're, it we're so immersed in it, we're so plunged into it that we have all become one body, okay? So think of it that way. In fact, in, in the Greek culture, it was almost exclusively used of sinking ships or drowning men. That's how they would use the word baptize. It wasn't always a spiritual thing. Hey, the ship was baptized into the sea. Hey, the entire crew was baptized into the sea. They were immersed into the sea. So try to read that word literally as immersed. And so it's saying, it's saying here that we are one body, I had made a promise a few months ago that I wouldn't get into any of the language stuff in there. I've just done it. But if you want to talk more about it, we, we can do that Wednesday. We are one body. And here's what I need us to comprehend, okay? We here, we here aren't the one body, capital T, capital O, capital B. We aren't the one body, but we are a part. We here are a part of the body as a whole, the entire body of Christ. Christ, Christ comes back and there aren't going to be like, I don't know how many churches there are around the world, right? But like, there aren't going to be like 800,000 bodies of Christ worshiping in heaven. There's going to be one body. All of those who have put faith in Jesus are one body. Now, we believe, uh, and I say we by Pierce and Micah and myself, we believe that we here are kind of a small microcosm representation of the whole body, okay? We believe that we here are kind of like a picture of the body as a whole. But nonetheless, we are all one in this. We're one team. And so, so here we are, and it says this, verse 14. So this is our application. We are part of one body with all people of faith in Christ. We're one body. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear were to say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Let's start with just this section here, 14 through 20. The body isn't made of one part, but many parts. So, so here, here's just something that, like, if the foot should say, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body, or I'm not a hand, so I I'm not as an important part of the body. Uh, let, let's address that for a minute. In a lot of church congregations, in a lot of church congregations, the, the I don't know, what do we want to call you guys? I don't want to call you the audience. I feel like that's really weird. The congregation, thank you. The gathering, the group of people. In a lot of church congregations, right, the congregation uh, feels like there's some sort of spiritual gap between the front row and the stage. 
I've grown up in church. I have felt this myself, like, oh, I'm not quite as good as the person on the stage or whatever. And, and even if it's not that, even if, even if the person in the seat knows, like, hey, Ryan had to be saved by Jesus just like I had to be saved by Jesus, there is, there is sometimes this tendency to say, yeah, but he's still the preacher, you know? He's still, he still has a little edge on me. I don't. I have zero edge on you. I will not get a better seat in heaven than you will, okay? Uh, I, I'm not higher than you. I'm not smarter than you. Uh, I, I don't have a closer connection to God than you do. I'm not more saved than you are. I'm not cleaner than you are. I'm not more righteous than you are. And so what he's addressing here is that sometimes in the church, one part of the body looks at another part of the body and says, because I'm not like them, I'm not as valuable. That, that isn't true. It's not true that, that one part of the body is more important than another. It's not true that one part of the body is less honorable than another. You and I together are one. We share everything in common. We have everything. Now listen, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I am the preacher because it is a spiritual gift. It's one of the ones he talked about earlier in chapter 12. Uh, and we'll talk about later in chapter 12, also talks about in Ephesians 4 and in Romans 12. But like, th there's a spiritual gift of preaching. I will always preach. It is, it is who I am. It's written kind of like on the core of my character. Like it's who I am. It's who I'm going to be. I will always preach. But, but me preaching, me preaching, that's, that's the gift I have. That's the place, that's the role that I feel, fill in the body. But, but that doesn't make me better than you. Please understand that, okay? Please understand that. That you and I, you and I are the same before Christ. So if the foot should say, oh man, I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that's hogwash. That, that's foolish. If the ear should, ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it doesn't make it any less a part of the body. Here's the other thing. If the whole body were an eye, where's the sense of hearing? Uh, this is very comical if you think about it, if you kind of picture it in your head, like uh, that, I mean, it would be like this really cheesy black and white horror movie, you know, like the giant eye has returned or whatever. So like if everything were like an eye, it would be like one of those things that's like on at like one o'clock in the morning on some stupid sci-fi channel. And here would be this giant eye and it would bounce or something because if it rolled in like the iris would eventually get dirty and it'd get something in there and then it'd be blinking the whole time. It'd be less threatening. So here, here's this idea that if, if the body are one part, so if all of you were preachers, we're going to be a very ineffective body. Um, one of the things that's very true about me uh, is that I, I basically daily have to like fight to keep my insecurities at bay. Um, I, I, it is a daily battle for me to just, because like I went through about seven years of clinical depression. Uh, fear and depression just kind of like were my regular frame of mind. And if I'm not careful on any given day, I, I, will, I will fall back into that. And so, so one of the gifts that the Bible talks about is the gift of edification, the gift of encouragement. Here I am as a preacher. If I don't have people around me who are gifted at encouraging, I'm done preaching. It's just the truth. Um, when I was traveling full-time and preaching for 20 years, I had some people in my life who were incredibly generous to me financially who gave uh, a lot of money to my ministry so that I could stay on the road. And if I didn't have people who, according to the Bible, also a gift, the gift of giving, if I didn't have people who were gifted at giving, we didn't get to keep doing it. One of the things that Micah and Pierce and I said when we came here uh, and we started this, like where we were meeting in a borrowed building, we didn't, we didn't have a budget. 
we didn't need any money because we didn't have to pay for anything. And Micah and Pierce and I each drew a salary of 400 bucks a month, which as you can imagine, didn't really support our families. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know if you're not quick at math, that's 4,800 a year, you know? So, uh, and, and so that wasn't supporting us very well. And we came out here and we knew we were gonna have a building. We were knew, knew we were gonna have insurance. We knew we'd hire eventually childcare and we knew that we'd have cost. And we basically said, we'll give it a year. And if no one comes and no one gives, then we've got to go back to doing it the way we were because just the reality is like, right? Like if you don't have money, you can't do something like this, right? That's just the reality. And, and so you understand that people who don't have the, if, if somebody doesn't have the gift of giving, like then it doesn't get to keep going. Then there's the gift of hospitality. There are like three people in my life who I know are gifted like this. I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I will stay by myself all the time and, and be completely fine with that. Anybody else? Like, you're just good just being completely by yourself. Yeah? Uh, so, so, people are pointing fingers at you, man. <laughs> I'm just going to say, so it's okay. We can be by ourselves, you know. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll know that you're over there and I'm over here. But here's the thing, right? Like, we like to be by ourselves, but I know people who are so generous with their home and their time. Like, they just, I, we have some friends who I don't think that there's ever been a year of their entire marriage where they haven't opened up their home for somebody else to live with them. Like somebody's always living with them. They're always opening up their home to somebody and they're always giving their space to somebody and always giving their time to somebody. Some of us are going, oh. <laughs> yeah. Those of us who are going, oh, we don't have the gift of hospitality. Others who are going, yes, you have the gift of hospitality, okay? <laughs> I'm guessing by all the laughter, none of us in this room are hospitality people. But aren't you grateful that some people are, right? And so what we need to understand is so that, and we're a church, by the way, that believes in all the gifts. Uh, so if somebody starts speaking in tongues one day, it will trip me out because I grew up Baptist. It'll freak me right out, I promise. Um, and I will make sure that there is an interpretation and I will make sure that interpretation matches with the Bible. And if all of those things are in place, I will still be freaked out. <laughs> but I'll say, well, you know, that's within the, the range of the Bible. <laughs> we, we still believe in all the gifts, but we believe that all of these things, these things that you are, right? And, and by the way, here's another thing. If you take, if you're wondering where the spiritual gifts are in the Bible, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, so two chapters in 12, two chapters in 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. And if you combine the list, there are like 21 things listed. I will also tell you that we as a staff, I think we've talked about this, I'm pretty sure we have. We as a staff don't believe that that is the entire list of spiritual gifts. Nowhere does Paul say that that's the entire list, but it's kind of an indication. So here's what I need you to know. You are vital, you Every one of you, if you're hearing this, you are vital. Or if you're listening to this by podcast later and you don't live in this community and you go to another church, you are a vital component of the body that you worship with. You guys right here in this room, you are a vital component of this body. We need you. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to work in the nursery or work at the coffee bar. But what it does mean is that the gift that you have and the things that God has equipped you with are necessary to us. Some of you believe that preaching is necessary, that we need, to have, we need to have worship and we need to have preaching. And that's great that you believe that's necessary, but just as much as you're convinced of that, I'm convinced that your gifts are necessary. I need you. We need you. Because none of us gets to say to the other, 
I'm not like you, so I guess I don't matter. None of us gets to do that. And then follow along here in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on the parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all members suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice. A couple of things here. None of us gets to say to the other, I have no need of you. None of us. Each of us needs the other. All of us need each other, okay? Um, and it says this, on the contrary, the parts that seem weaker are indispensable, uh, except for my gallbladder, apparently. And, uh, and on those parts of the body uh, that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor on our unpresentable parts. They are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. So uh, there are a whole bunch of components to the body, to the human body, some are treated with greater modesty than others. Like, I've never felt a need to hide my elbows, you know? Uh, but whenever, I, I do think that this extra flabby, like, you know when you straighten your, like, what is that? It's like the weenus or something. It's called something really weird. The weenus, right? That, like, who named that? You know? Apparently, you know why you need that gap of skin? Because if that extra skin wasn't there, you can't bend your arms. Imagine. Like, what if it was super tight? There's no bending your arms, right? Why do you have a weenus? So your arms can bend, you know? It's not just enough to have the joint. You have to have the weenus as well. That should be our new T-shirt. <laughs> Explaining the unity of the body. Are you a joint or the weenus? It doesn't matter. We need you both. Wow. I know what my boys... I, I try to ask my boys time to time, what did you remember from the service this morning? I already know what it's going to be. I don't have to ask. <laughs> Some of you are going, I'm not coming back to this church. <laughs> Others of you are like, I can't wait to tell everybody that my pastor preached on the weenus. <laughs> the, the, the point is this. Like, listen, August 7th last year, I stepped in a gopher hole. I was running uh, over by Unidad Park. And uh, we lived in town over by the Red Arroyo Trail, and I had run, and I would run over to Unidad Park from our house. It's about a mile and a half, two miles to Unidad, and I would run there, and then I'd run that circuit. And every time I'd get to the pull-up bars and stuff like that, I would do that, and then I would run back home. And there's that little church there on the corner of College Hills, a Methodist church or something, I think, kind of catty corner from that library. And I was running across the street, and I was kind of gauging the traffic so I could cut back across College Hills. And I was not looking where I was going, and I stepped right in a gopher hole full speed, heard a pop, went down. I was like, oh, called Michelle and uh, said, I think I broke my ankle. I need you to come get me. She was like, I'm on my way. <laughs> and, uh, and she was about, I was like, wait, 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 let me tell you where I'm at. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So they come and they get me and uh, I go in for x-rays. I think I went home and showered first because I was, my habit was not to put on deodorant before my morning run. And so, so I went home, I showered, I went to the ER, and uh, x-ray, they say everything's good. Uh, two months later, I'm still really hurting. Long story short, they found out that I had completely ruptured one of the ligaments in my foot. Coronavirus happened, couldn't have surgery, couldn't have surgery, finally had surgery. Cast for a month, boot for six weeks, physical therapy for five months before I can run again. And, and it is crazy um, how this one ligament that's about the, the width of my pinky here has thrown off my entire life, right? 
If one part, the Bible says here, if one part suffers, the entire body suffers. Um, I would argue by the weight that I've gained through the coronavirus that my entire body has suffered. You know, I haven't been running for a few months now and like my entire body has suffered. But then here's the other thing. It says if one part is honored, listen to what it says. This is a beautiful thing. If one part is honored, all rejoice together. Uh, the best example that I can give of this that's really practical for you is when a girl gets engaged to somebody that she actually is excited about. I, I suppose that somewhere people are getting engaged and they're not happy about it, but, like, but if they're happy about it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a pebble that you've put on their finger, if they're excited about the marriage, right? But what does every girl who's ever gotten engaged, what do her friends do when she walks into the room for the first time? Let me see. I want to see, right? And they go, oh, look. Everybody is concerned about this finger right after a girl gets engaged. And that's okay because it's like everybody's excited. It's a way of rejoicing together. Does that make sense? So everybody's rejoicing together and, and being like, oh, that's so exciting. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. And all this focus kind of comes down to this, you know, her, her finger's like, what, a size four? It's like super tiny. We had to have a ring. Like they found one like in a doll factory or something. But uh, uh, she's so stinking tiny. But uh, um the whole body honors it. The whole body rejoices over it. Now, here, here's what I mean to say, okay? The Bible's going to say this in Romans. It's going to say, rejoice with those re who rejoice and weep with those who weep, all right? So what we do, what we do is because we are one body, when one of us suffers, there's a sense in which we all suffer. And when one of us rejoices, there's a sense in which we all rejoice. Do you understand that the reason, the reason, uh, and let me talk, let me talk first about our body, and then let's talk about the universal body, but because we are a microcosm of the body of Christ. If somebody in here loses their, their parent, right, um, then the reason we do a mill train and we have people going over and taking care of them isn't just because we think that you suddenly forgot how to cook. It's because we want to care for you. We want to show you love, right? Um, if, if you're broken, if you're wounded, I my dad died in November, and my buddy Jason, who I was just with in East Texas this past week, he goes, do you need me to come over? I was like, no, I'm like, we're good, man. Um, but he told me uh, as I was leaving town Friday, he goes, listen, I just need you to know when my dad dies, you're going to have to talk me off the ledge. I said, I'll be there. I'll come and hang out with you for a few days. He goes, I'm going to need it. Uh, his dad's his best friend. Um, but we don't, we serve one another. That's what we do. Uh, the Hales back here signed up to be foster parents. And for, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. They signed up to be foster parents for newborn to two-year-old. They got a call, what, two weeks ago now, or has it been three yet? It'll be three this week? Yeah, so two and a half weeks. They got a call, hey, we had a baby left at the hospital. And, uh, and so they have a two-and-a-half-week-old baby now. And uh, the mother just left, and they are working on getting the rights of that mother terminated. They can't find the mother. And this little boy, and y'all have decided on a name, I think, but you can tell us later. I think it's baby Ryan is what they decided on. Just kidding. Uh, but, uh, but now they have, they have a, a baby, a brand new baby. And, uh, and so they are spacing out their kids by nine years, um, all of their kids, nine years between them. And so here's a family that we can rejoice with, but we can also serve. Like, here's a child who wouldn't have had a chance. Uh, now has a chance, you know, and so we can rejoice with them. And so we serve one another. We rejoice with one another. We honor one another. We pray for one another. We love one another. How does that play in? Like, I think, I think that most congregations sort of get that. 
We want, to, we want to serve each other. How does that play out with the people on Facebook who, from our estimation, are idiots? They're Christian idiots. You know, like, how, how does that play out for us? And here, here's how it has to play out. What we have to do, and, and that's, hear me say, from our estimation are idiots, okay? Because they're probably thinking the same thing about us sometimes. Uh, I know they are about me. And so, so here's what we do. We say, listen, they are, they are part of the same body. They are part of Christ like I'm part of Christ. And what we do is we show them the same love and the same grace and the same compassion that Christ has shown us. Guys, we are not going to be able to solve the problem of division in our country, but we can absolutely be a force for solving the problem of division within the body. We can absolutely do that. We, we can't ask that people who don't know God act like they do. But we who know God can be unified with each other. We who know God can serve one another. We, uh, I hate to even say this, but it is true for me. There have been times in my life, I, I'll give you an example. I once had a friend who called me up. He had just planted a church. Micah and I had been doing this for about three years. He goes, how many people are you guys running? I said, we're running about 40, which is kind of where we just stayed. We grew up to 80 at about one point and then dropped back down to 40 before we came out here. And, uh, and he goes, man, how long y'all been meeting? I said, about four years. And he goes, you've only got 40 people? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you're doing something wrong. And he said, I planted this church. We started off with 150. And he goes, he goes, of course, he goes, I'm not flying by the seat of my pants like you guys are. He goes, I actually know what I'm doing. This is my buddy talking to me. So I will tell you, I will tell you that a year and a half later, when he closed the doors to his church, there was a part of me that was like, heck yeah. <laughs> Anybody feel that? That was the wrong response. Just in case anybody's wondering, that was the wrong response because my brother and I, it's not my physical brother, Christian brother, my Christian brother and I, we're part of the same body. I shouldn't be rooting for him to fail. I shouldn't be going, that's what you get. I shouldn't be doing that, but we do that. And what I want us to be right here as a microcosm of the universal body, what I want us to be is a church that's not doing that. A church that's promoting unity among each other. That can say, look, I disagree with you. We're not ever going to be on the same page on this thing, but because you name Christ and I name Christ, I'm at least with you. I'm on your side. So the body can't say, the body can't say, look, don't be down on yourself and say, well, I'm not a preacher, so I'm not this. Don't do that ever. Your gifts are just as necessary to the health of the body as mine. Okay? Just as necessary. The, the problem is that for the last like 60 years in Christian churches in the United States, the model has been that there's a pastor who's the boss. That's the problem. That there's a pastor who's the CEO, that there's a pastor who's running the company, and you guys are just the customers. If you're in here, you're not the customer, you're part of the team. <laughs> you're part of us. And, and so don't say, I'm not that guy, so I have no place. Also, let's not be so arrogant that we would ever say, I have no need of that part. Let us not be so arrogant that we say, here's who we are, and we don't need anybody else. Let's never do that. And then let's agree that when part of us suffers, we're all going to suffer together. And that when part of us rejoices, we're going to rejoice together. And in that, we're serving one another, we're praying for one another, we're ministering to one another. Listen, I am so... I have equal parts grief and anger over the division in the church. I'm over it. 
And I, I, am, I am done with church splits. I am done, like we haven't ever had that, but like I'm, I'm done with that kind of mentality and that kind of mindset. If you're here and you, just, you choose to come back next week and you're like, oh man, he's getting rid of the nine o'clock service for a couple of weeks. Listen, come back. And if you come back, I will just know that what that is saying is, look, I'm ready to, to be one body in Jesus. We are, this is not a, how are you going to serve and volunteer this week? This is not that. We have plenty of places for you to do that. This is not that. This is, we're in this together. Your gifts and my gifts, none of us saying I have no need of you, none of us saying you're better than me. We rejoice with each other. We weep with each other. This is us saying the body of Christ is one body. We are part of one body with all the people of faith. And then here's our prayer this week. God, may we seek unity with all who call upon the name of Jesus for salvation. God, may we seek unity with all who call upon the name of Jesus for salvation. Listen, here's what I would ask you to do this morning. I'd ask you to remember that the entire church, the Catholic church, the universal church, is under one authority, that is Jesus Christ. I'd ask you to remember that we as part of the body are one body with all people of faith. I'd ask you to remember that your gifts and my gifts together matter. I would ask you to remember that we will never be a body that says we have no need of you. I'd ask you to remember that we are a body who will worship together, who will weep together, and who will rejoice together. That we will serve one another and pray for one another and lift each other up and delight in each other. and Like that's who we're going to be. And not just here. But as we go out from here into this world, as we come into contact with people who name the name of Jesus, we will be their champions and not their antagonists. Take a moment, if you would, please, and just pray and ask that God would help you to seek unity with all who name the name of Jesus. Lord God, we thank you uh, again that our place in you is not dependent upon who we are. It's not dependent upon the gifts that we have. It's not dependent upon what we know or don't know, how many Bible study classes we've taken. It's dependent upon what you've done and who you are in Jesus Christ. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to gloriously be united with all who name the name Jesus. Lord, that we wouldn't seek to be their enemies. We wouldn't seek to be their antagonists. We wouldn't hold bitterness over them. We wouldn't hold resentment towards them, but we would hold up the unity that we have through the, and the bond that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ. How rich and blessed and holy and wonderful that would be 
for the church to finally act like the church. God, give us grace to know you and to follow you and to serve you and to love you well. Give us grace for one another. Help us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep that your name might be made known. It's in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.